Happy holidays, everybody. This is episode 105 of the Q&A podcast. My name is Anthony. Sitting right next to, to me, as always, is my pal, DeQuincy. Hey, guys. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. All that good stuff. We're um, two days removed from Christmas. How, how was your Christmas, buddy? Um, my Christmas was fantastic. Um, we got woken up by a rambunctious five-year-old who wanted to do nothing more than open up his presents at like six in the morning. Those were the days. Yeah. So um, after we finally relent around eight o'clock, um, he was able to open up his presents. Um, he got a he got a bunch of stuff um, from Santa, uh, from his godmother Alexa, Legos. Uh, what are they called? Connects, I think. Connect. Um, I personally had the fight of my life trying to put together this little uh, Spider-Man <laughs> Lego set because the Lego pieces are so ridiculously small. Like it just annoys the hell out of you. And like you going through the instructions, on the instructions it'll have a little a little Lego man holding up a magnifying glass. Like ah, oh, you better make sure you get the right piece. Inspect. And it, I want to say it took me like a good 30 minutes just to put together. It's like two little Lego, one Spider-Man car, one, um, what's the name, Scorpion car, and then the little building set. And like, it's like, I need a magnifying glass. And Did special. they provide one? No. <laughs> oh, God knows I already have bad eyes. So that was, that was uh, interesting. Um, got some uh, board games. Um, I got uh, Santa brought him Connect 4. Nice. And I was playing with him, and um, that's a fun game. Yeah, he won, and um, five-year-olds talk spicy. Like he was really, like he was, he was really dogging me after he won that game. So I had to rack him up and beat him in the next five. Teach him <laughs> who's the boss. Uh, so that was all at my house, and so afterwards went over to my mother and grandmother's house, and like I told you before. My mom spoils this child rotten. We get over there, and he has a remote control car. There's a couple more board games for him. There are more. There's an Avengers action figure. There's a Black Panther action figure, and of course, the one thing he really truly wanted a bike. Nice. He's got the bike with the training wheels, and uh, Christmas Day he went out. He was outside just going back and forth for like um, God, like a good hour <laughs> on the sidewalk just going back and forth um, over and over again. So he got the hang of it. Mm, he was doing alright. Uh, the only problem was, because it's, it's one where the brakes aren't up top so it's easier for kids because otherwise you actually hit that brake and that, that front wheel brakes and you're flying. Right. Uh, so it's, it's one of the, uh, I forget where the brakes are but he, anyway it's a simpler one for kids and um, he was just flying you awesome. know, basically had to flag him down because you know, kids, they'll go forever on a bike you let them. Right. Uh, what else? My mother made a mistake and gave me a drone. What? What? You got yeah. a drone? Yeah, it's, it's like this little, like, maybe... Um, it's not like one of those big ones that you see on TV. It's just a small little remote control drone. And... Um, That's amazing. Let me say, if you ever get a drone or you get someone a drone, the first thing they need to do is go through the instructions... Front and back, back and front. Because this is something where you could just skim read the instructions and then go out there and fly. Oh, no. I went out there trying that thing and literally the drone, it, I'll get it like a good six inches off the <laughs> ground. And it's, it just takes off wherever it wants to go. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm just thankful. Like, we were out in the uh, driveway. Like, no cars passed by. 
So <laughs> I didn't have a drive-by droning, but a couple times it took off and it just went across the street to the neighbor's <laughs> front yard. And uh, but um, other than that, do you have the hangover finally? Uh, I was able to get it up and be stable for like a good couple seconds, and then it was just it was like, oh well, I'm gonna go this way. So good luck with that. But I enjoyed. I had fun with it. Uh, I, my mom was like, hey, do you want to take this back to your house? I was like, no, I can't take this to my apartment. I will fly into someone's, <laughs> into someone's window or hit someone's dog and have to, you know, dip. And that, Man, that would be good for him. That's cool, though. That you got a drone. Like, that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Well, that's good, man. I'm glad that, uh, that you know, the family had a good Thanksgiving or Christmas. I'm sorry. Uh, that uh, the little guy, yeah, man. Those are the days, man, getting, you know, presents upon presents. and uh, Waking up too damn early for the presents. way too early. Um, and then also, you know, having to wait mm-hmm. until mom and dad say, eh, no, <laughs> six is too early. Sometimes, yes, sometimes they would relent and we're opening at six. But most years, yeah, you got to wait a little. A little yeah, because I'm, t- like, I'm still tired from the night before, waiting yeah. for, your, for your little butt to go to sleep. <laughs> right. And then, like... It's six. It's, it's you know I'm, I'm like I said I'm tired. You want to play with these toys and I gotta put them together first. Like ah, I don't want to put this stuff together. What I should have done is put them did the night before. Yeah. But then you always run that risk that he wakes up middle of the night because he needs to go to the restroom or he needs to drink of water. He sees everything and then you ruin the whole thing. So yeah. can't take that risk. And I have five. And I, you know I was the same way. We're, kids are always the same. We'll never understand as a kid have, you know, why it's important to wait. Mm-hmm. Because once, once you open everything at 6 a.m., that's it. Like, what are you doing for the rest of the morning? You know, wait until 8. You know, there's time to you know, eat breakfast afterwards or do whatever. Or go back to sleep if you need to. Wait till dad's coherent. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just... Being impatient is definitely part of the process as a kid mm-hmm. when it comes to Christmas Day. So, I totally understand that part. So, but that's cool, man. I'm, I'm glad you know he uh, he got you know he had a good Christmas. It sounds like. Oh, very much so. He still um, he went back over to my grandma's house, mom and grandma's house yesterday, um, and was playing. Unfortunately, it did rain, so he didn't yeah. go outside. Yeah. But he he stayed inside, played board games, and he. He enjoyed himself. Very cool. Very cool to hear. What about you? Uh, pretty low-key Christmas. You know, there's no, there aren't any kids, you know, little kids around. Um, you know, I don't have, I don't have a family yet like that of my own. So, um, I, I can sleep in yeah. <laughs> pretty much as long as I want. Um, but yeah, you know, it's all the family Christmas Eve. Um, and, um, yeah, just hung out with them and. Swapped some gifts, you know, with uh, cousins and stuff like that, and just catching up, um, you know, eating too much, of course. But uh, other, yeah, other than that, you know, it was, it was nice just getting to see the family again, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, everybody together because we we actually don't get together all at once as much as we used to. So it was nice. And uh, Christmas Day, yeah, slept in, um, and uh, that was about it, man. Just relaxed most of the day it was nice it's been it's been a nice uh nice holiday break yeah thankful for those um i had three-day weekend i had to go back to work on wednesday Ooh, yeah. 
that first day back after vacation, holiday, whatever, is the most difficult thing in the world. Yeah. Like we should all just agree to take a half day so we can we can work our way back into it. <laughs> but uh, uh, that was. I'm I'm glad. Now my body is used to it. We're back into it. Then you know, next week, you're all. I, th- I think all over we're again. just getting to that Tuesday off. Yeah, same here. Yeah. So yeah, and New Year's Eve, it's like I might work half a day at work. I don't know if they they let us out early. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I went ahead and took today and, and uh, Thursday and Friday off this Christmas week, and then I go back Monday again, like for half a day, and then off Tuesday again, which. It's, you know, it's weird, but, you know, it's, uh, it's okay. You know, it's, it's a weird adjustment, but, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is. You know, at least, at least, you know, it's good to have some time off, so, and that's what we're getting, so it's better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Better than having to work, uh, Christmas Day. Yeah. Uh, good, good, good. We're all cuff. Um. Yeah, so, it's been about a two weeks I guess since we've talked mm-hmm. um, a lot of stuff has gone on the two weeks too yeah where do you want to start man you know what I want to talk about because I was listening to uh, uh, what's his name Bill Simmons podcast and they were talking about this uh, the Oscars okay I don't really want to get into the whole um, I almost called him Chris Rock uh, no. oh why can't I remember his name now <laughs> Kevin Hart. Yeah, Kevin Hart. I don't want to get in the whole Kevin Hart, should he apologize, blah, 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 because I'm just going to say he should have apologized because he ended up apologizing at the end anyway and didn't get the gig. Um, I just want to ask you, who would make your, say, top three list for Oscar hosts? Who would, like, what do you mean? Like, who would you like to see host the Oscars? Kevin Hart is one. Really? Yeah, he's actually pretty funny. Um, after that, um, I don't know. I guess The Rock would be good. See, The Rock was on my list as well. Yeah, and, um, man, you know, no one's ever asked me that question before. That's a really, of all questions to be put on the spot with, that's like one of the hardest I've ever put on the spot with. Um... I don't know, man. Who else is out there? Because uh, I had to rock Dwayne Johnson because he can do just about anything that you need an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, I was also thinking Lin-Manuel Miranda. Sure. Uh, I think he'd probably be number, number one. Why not uh, Barack? <laughs> uh, no. The thing is, you want to find someone that's in that nice middle ground to yeah. where the left won't be upset that they're hosting and the right won't lose their mind that they're hosting. So I'm like trying to find someone that has that perfect, that balance, like no one really hates them mm-hmm. because on the podcast they were naming names. They were talking about Beyonce and they were like, Oh, she'll never do it. I'm like, yeah, there are a lot of people on the right side that don't like Beyonce. Yeah. I find myself in the middle. I really don't care for her. I mean, I don't dislike her, but I'm not... You shut your whore mouth right now. You know, well, I don't know. It's just... that. Yeah. I'm not in her demographic. I think. No, you're de- You're not. Yeah, so. I don't know who else would... be popular enough... and also not controversial. I mean, I think it... 
begins and ends with the rock at this point. I mean, the guy has done everything he can to uh, endear himself to everybody. You know, he's a, an action star that guys can root for. Um, wrestling guy that kids grew up watching, you know, young people grew up watching and have you know, finally um, shaken, you know, starring in, you know, dumb little Disney movies and stuff, you know, the Tooth Fairy and mm. stuff like that. Where, wow, that's a long ass time ago. Right, but, I mean, we forget that that's where he was cutting his teeth in the movie business. And, you know, now he's in these, you know, massive blockbusters and stuff where everybody's going to watch these movies. So, um, yeah, I guess The Rock at this point, I think it's the safest choice that I can think of. Okay. Um, another question about Oscars. Do you even watch um, not just the Oscars, but award shows, period? No. Me neither. I don't know if it's like a millennial thing or it's just... I've never watched them. The Oscars or award shows, period. Period. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like... I don't know first it's... off, it's too long. It's like three hours. Mm-hmm. And especially for the Oscars, a bunch, a bunch of times, it's... Um, it's a, it's the awards go to movies I've either never heard of or had no interest in watching. Exactly. Like they're gonna have ten spot ten spots. And I think maybe I'll have watched the only movies I've watched in the theater this year are basic are Marvel movies. I watched Black Panther and Infinity War. Right. Uh, and those aren't gonna win the major. No. They're not gonna win the the Oscars at the end of the show. Yeah, I think the they'll only, win. You know, I best, think uh, Black Panther will probably win best uh, best costume design. Costume design. It might get a, a you know nominated for best picture. I don't think. Like I think it deserves to be nominated. Like it should be talked about as one of those ten movies to be nominated. I don't think it should win because I don't think it was, it was the best movie this year. Mm-hmm. Um, soundtrack I think it'll get nominated yeah uh, yeah so the movies that you and I watch if they're getting any kind of consideration it's for those it's either for the the awards that they don't even show on television yeah. that if you happen to and this if you happen to be changing the channel and stumble upon the e-network it's showing it, it's the scrolling you know updates at the bottom mm-hmm. those are the awards for the movies that we watch or we'll probably, you know, the movies that we, you and I are into, that's where any kind of awards will go. <laughs> like, with that, again, down there with the, mic, with the microphone glass, like the uh, magnifying glass, like, damn, they did one for costume right. design. Uh, or one of the early ones at the be- actually be- actual beginning of the show. Um, so, other than that, yeah, I've, I've never been interested in it. Would you do an Oscar, an Oscar preview show where we actually, like, after they announced the movies, we actually watched them and then came on here to talk about them? Uh, sure. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think if um, if someone wanted me to, yeah. Like, if, you, if, you, if you're dead set on doing it, sure, I'll do it. Have I ever been invited to an Oscar party? I think I have. Would I ever go to an Oscar party? No. no. I've never been invited, but I think it depends. Like... We have some good friends that if, like, John, either one of the Johns invited us to an Oscar party, I'd show up. Because they're, because they're cool. Speaking of which, tangent, our boy John, 
out of the hospital, Made back home safely, and couldn't be happier for him. Yes, and wants to get on the podcast to discuss to discuss it. All right, so, yeah. Um, I told him we'll make that happen. So talk about actual surgery. All right, we'll yeah. Do that. yeah. All right, sorry for the tan. Just I was thinking about John. Just made me excited that he's right. happy yes. and healthy at home right now. Hundred percent. He's doing. He's doing well. He's mm-hmm. doing really well. I've seen him a few times. He looks great. Um, yeah, he's he's on the mend. So that's always that's amazing. Um, yes, if the Johns said, "Hey, we're doing an Oscar party," that's it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I would of course go. Um, but there, that's where I draw the line in terms of my friends. Uh, I have some really great friends mm-hmm. again, but I'm not putting on a tuxedo and. Uh, <laughs> and oh God, no! I'm jeans and a t-shirt, and I'm making jokes. Well, no, because people do these Oscar parties and they like wear tuxes and gowns and shit like that. No. And I'm like, nah, nah. No, I'm not. Nah. I'm not dressing up. I mean, I'll show up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the things about you know award shows. Watching them through social media is much more exciting than watching them as they happen on TV. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, wh- how so? Just the reactions whenever someone oh. wins or um, it's, it didn't even the nomination. It's like, oh, such and such thing get nominated is outrage. Or how did they get nominated? Who, did, who are they sleeping with? And, like, just <laughs> watching it, like, on Twitter or... I'm guessing just Twitter because I don't because Facebook is just trash to me. But yeah, watching Twitter is so much fun. It's better than the they should have Twitter awards because it's so much more entertaining on social media than watching the actual broadcast mm-hmm. for either the Oscars, Grammys, Tonys, whatever. That uh, don't be surprised if you ever see something like that down the line where social media it's awards. all done through yeah through like you know don't they Twitter have, and stuff like don't they have YouTube awards or something. Like that? Probably. Okay. Um, It's amazing how you're younger than me, but yet so much older than me. Oh, yeah. No, I'm... I mean, like, we never... My family never really watched the award shows, like, growing up. So I don't think it's... No, I'm talking about stuff, like, when it comes to, like, social media and YouTube. I'll bring them up. You're like, yeah, that sounds right. It sounds right. Like, what's YouTube? (laughs) But, um... No, but, like, you... Go, going back to something you said earlier where you think it might be like a millennial type thing. I don't think it is necessarily because I, like, we never watched award shows growing up. Like, my, my parents never sat down on a Sunday to watch the Grammys or the Oscars, at least that I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just never, you know, it was never a concern of, of ours or an interest of my family. So I, uh, you know, never, never really got into it either. Um... I will look at the results, you know, the date, the next day, or whatever. Just that's the extent of my interest in it. But um, no, I don't think I've ever sat down and watched an award show. Um, yeah, so so I don't think from they're... my perspective again, I don't think it's a millennial thing. I think I think more millennials tune into these shows now than you know they did you know a few years ago, yeah. maybe in the nineties. I don't think. Young people in the '90s were tuning into it, like I think people do now. Uh, for me, I don't think there's anything that they could actually do that would make me interested in watching. There's not a host they could bring in. There's not like 
Yeah, no, exactly. There's not any kind. There's not any format shift that they can do that would make me interested in watching. You know, an award show. You know, sit down and watch it on ABC's whatever channels it, it is because like that's the it's three hours. And they've tried. They see. You know, they've tried. They've tried to. Um, they tried to get a younger audience. Oh, I guess. I guess when it was ten years ago, it was, I guess he would kind of drive towards a younger audience, but also towards a black audience when they tried to, when they, when Chris Rock hosted, Mm -hmm. you know, and that really didn't work. Nobody really watched it. Nobody really cared. No, I mean, it didn't, you know, uh, it didn't set the world on fire. You know, the, it's not a a memorable award show that night that he hosted. Yeah. And I I remember that. It's one of those things where like, people are like, all right, Chris Rock is hosting. He's going to light these white people on fire. And it's like, oh, this the monologue, it didn't happen? Okay, let me find something else to do. Yeah. Um, you know, how many times have they had Billy Crystal on over the past 20 years? You know, Break. He's the emergency. Yeah. Um, they had, well, who was it? Anne Hathaway and... James Franco. James Franco, and that bombed yeah. when they tried to go young. Um, who was it last year? Do you remember? I don't. You know, it would be a cool... Uh, maybe I think it was, was Jimmy Kimmel. Was it Kimmel again? It might have been. Um... Why not uh, Jim Carrey? I think would be a cool, maybe a cool um, host. Oh, uh, Seth MacFarlane has hosted, I believe. That was two years ago, I think. Yeah. And that he, he, I think he, if you, we actually pumped him full of true serum, he would say that it was an honor to do it. Mm-hmm. But he'd never do it again because they don't get paid as much as you think they do. They don't get paid hardly anything. Yeah, and at best, if you do a gr- if you do a great job, no one complains. At worst, you know, you do a shitty job and you never hear the end of it. Mm-hmm. Like I just we just talk, brought up Franco and Hathaway. I mean, that performance of what five six years ago, and people still talk about how terrible it was. <laughs> yeah. I think the year after that, they had to bring back Billy Crystal, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, let's see. In the past... um, Yeah, let's see who's done it. Okay. Jimmy Kimmel has hosted uh, the past two years. Okay. Chris Rock was in 05 and 2016. The only thing I remember about Jimmy Kimmel is when... the envelope mix-up when La La Land thought they won, but Moonlight had actually won. That's the only thing you remember about his shows. Okay, so Chris Rock in 2016, I remember nothing. And 2005, that was the first time he did it. Mm -hmm. Um, Neil Patrick Harris in 2015. I like him. Yeah, he's cool. He's funny. Ellen DeGeneres in 2007 and 2014. Seth MacFarlane in 2013. Oh, that was that long ago? Wow. Did they not have one in 2012? I guess they didn't. Or, oh, no, no. Billy Crystal was 2012. Yeah. And the reason why, the reason why is because uh, they're, the way that this is ranked, I, I don't know what the ranking is, but. It it goes by most appearances, and then it shows the, that, la- that person's last appearance. Well, no, because Billy Crystal's further down the list. Um. So, yeah, Seth MacFarlane in 2013, Anne Hathaway and James Franco in 2011, Alec Baldwin in 2010, Hugh Jackman in 2009, Jon Stewart in 2006 and 2008, 
Steve Martin in 01, 03, and 2010. Uh, Dude, I don't remember half of these. Whoopi Goldberg, 93, 95, 98, and 01. Yeah, Billy Crystal again. <laughs> 89 to 92, 96 and 97, 99, 2003, 2012. God, I'm telling you, he's a breaking, the emergency breaking. Paul Hogan was the, the host in 1987. Paul Hogan is the, was it the Crocodile Dundee? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> what? Wow, was everybody just turning it down? I guess. He was, he was playing M. Um, you know who I would like to see? David Letterman in 95. Yeah. Chevy like Chase, 87, 88. And Robin Williams in 86. That's like the last one that... He's the last... Or he's the first most recent host... Or the the last of our generation that you, you would recognize. I don't think you know who... Do you know who Alan, Alan Alda is? Yeah, MASH. Okay. Uh, do you know who Dudley Moore is? No. Okay. Do you know... You've heard of Liza Minnelli, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Uh, Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. Richard Pryor, that... Man. Wow. What, you know... What year was that? He hosted in 77 and 83. Oh, right. He's at the top of his game. Right at there. the top of his game. And you know what? I think I would have tuned in to watch Richard Pryor host mm-hmm. the Oscars. Um, Jane Fonda... Ellen Burstyn. Nope. Warren Betty. Yes. Only because of the... No, I knew Warren Betty and um, Jane Fonda, um, their acting skills before. No, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Robert Shaw, George Siegel, Walter Matthau. Do you know Walter Matthau? Nope. Uh, the, origi- the odd couple, he was uh, the coach in the original Bad News Bears movie, the baseball movie. Um, I know of the movie, but... if. The, I can't picture his face for the all old the angry or... man. Remember him and Jack Lemon? Forgot what that movie was called. Yeah, so twelve angry men is that what you know? Okay. Yeah, Gene Kelly, Goldie Hawn, Shirley MacLaine, uh, a white lady named Diana Ross. I don't know who that is, but her picture is <laughs> a picture of an old white lady named Diana Ross <laughs> in nineteen seventy four. Are you on Wikipedia? <laughs> no, I'm on some oh, okay. some page. Um, yeah. Who's that one late night host that does the karaoke car rides? Is it James Corbin? James Corden. Uh, yeah. Corbin. He, I mean, he's uh, he is. Uh, I think he is would be right in the middle. That would be that I think you know could could host it, and people would. I think everybody would be okay with this with that guy hosting. You know who I'd like, and would enjoy seeing Paul Rudd. That'd be cool. Yeah, he's a funny guy. I mean, he would make it entertaining, mm-hmm. make it funny. Conan O'Brien, that'd be cool. Maybe. Would he ever get the opportunity again, considering how everything ended with his late night show? Um, as long well, I guess not, because if, if it's hosted on well, no, if it's hosted on, I believe it's ABC. If it's ABC, then he, I think they'd be okay, because he was in, on NBC. Okay. Um. But I mean, at this point, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna see a run of uh, late night TV hosts: Kimmel, probably James Corden in the future, Jimmy Fallon down the line. Um, hell, you might even see Carson Daly, who you know hosts late, 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 like at two in the morning, late, the old Conan O'Brien time slot. 
So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting Interesting to see um, if they scrape from the bottom of the barrel or if they maybe break the, break the, break the bank and go get a top, you know, a top name to host. But, I mean, other than that, I don't, I don't see anybody that's worth getting. Um, I like Tiffany Haddish. That could work, too. I'm just naming it because anybody I find fun, I found funny in the last ten years. I I don't and know. Any, they might just go. And she's on top of her game right now. Right? Yeah. Um. I mean, you can never go wrong with Denzel Washington. It'd be it'd be a good role. I mean, it would be a good transition for him because he's no longer. I mean, he's really not a leading man anymore. Where like he'll be up for like you know best actor or anything. like that. Anything like that? Not like he used to. I think right. he was up. Was it last year before for um, Fences? I can't remember. If that was it was lead actor or the movie, but he got he got a nomination for that movie. I'm, I don't think he won, but yeah, he's he's um, he's the old guy coming out coming out. You know, he's not as good as he was he used to be, but he can still you know throw a, if he was a pitcher, he could still throw a shutout every. Sure. Six or seven games to get up there. Uh, damn, I can't think of anybody else. Uh, Rebel Wilson, Samantha B. I'm trying to think of, of women now. So completely sexist. Well, I think didn't oh God, if you're if you're looking name? for someone that isn't going to cause cause a lot of outrage on either side. Didn't Tina Fey and any polar? Any polar? Did they? Oh. I may be thinking of the Golden Globes. Might have been. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Uh, Tiffany Haddish, I think right now would be the. But then again, you know she's co-starring. You know she's a co-star with Kevin Hart. Um, she's a stand-up comedian like Kevin Hart. You know, and this whole thing with Kevin Hart. Stand-up comedians were at the forefront of you know backing Kevin Hart mm-hmm. because it seems like. And you know, I don't. Again, I don't want to get too much into it. But at the end of the day, because I like a lot of stand-up comedians, I listen to stand-up comedians podcasts. But at the end of the day, out of all entertainers, stand-up comedians are scrutinized the most because they they say things, they say offensive things, um, and it's coming from. It's coming from, um, it's a form of entertainment that has just always been looked down upon. Stand-up comedy has, has always been, you know, the black sheep of entertainment. Because you have actors who are trained actors mm-hmm. and uh, writers and directors that are all trained and put together these, these great movies. Um, and because of that, the actors are never scrutinized for roles they take on, things that are in their script. You know, they may say horrible, offensive things in their script, but because it's not, because they're playing an they're actor, playing a, role. Playing a character, mm-hmm. it's okay. You know, but if a comedian says something stupid, then it's not because it's. It's them. Because they may take it as that's really who they are, but. Again, comedy, it's all entertainment. There it, is some truth in it, 
There's there's truth in everything. Mm-hmm. There's truth in scripts that you write. There's truth truth in jokes that you, you write and tell. So, um, Tiffany Haddish would be a great host, I think, but I don't think she would do it in solidarity of her fellow com- uh, stand-up comedian. First off, you better get that money while the money's there to get. Well, if the- <laughs> get that. I'm sorry, get that recognition while it's there. It's there to get. How many black women have hosted the Oscars? I would guess it's not many. Just will be a thing. Yeah, so get it white again. And a white guy in a Respect that, but I want to go back to your point about comedy. Um, the thing that we need to recognize, as far as comedy is, you can make jokes like what Kevin Hart has said and things that um, Dave Chappelle has said. If you go back and you look at old um, Eddie Murphy, Delirious Raw, yeah. yeah, you can stay, stay. You can say those things in that time, but time moves on, and we as a society progress. Mm-hmm. There are things that. Again, like I said, take Eddie Murphy, for example, that he said in his stand-ups, Delirious Raw, that are homophobic, mm-hmm. and they were homophobic then, but people just rolled with it because the people who found it offensive, uh, people who were gay then, gay now, who found it offensive, they didn't have the voice 30 years ago that we have, that they have now. Mm-hmm. And going uh, to Kevin Hart, you can say, you can have those homophobic jokes, like you say, oh, my kid grows up... You know, playing with a dollhouse, I'll wreck it and tell him to stop. Yeah, you can say that seven, eight years ago and get a laugh. But it was homophobic then and it's homophobic now. And now people are like, hey, that was offensive. You you should just say, you know what, you're right. That was offensive. Um, it's homophobic. I shouldn't, I'm not going to, all you got to do is say, I'm sorry. I'm not going to make that joke anymore. You don't need to double down and go, hey, oh, I already talked about this over and over again. If you offended someone, just apologize. You would think someone, you would think a serial cheater mm-hmm. like Kevin Hart would understand right. that if you offended someone, you don't get to tell him when to stop being mad about it. I bet you that shit don't fly, fly with his wife. If she get mad and think about when he was cheating on her, he don't get to say, oh, I apologize for that. Why can't you go that woman? I bet you if she gets mad about him, you know, in a truck with another woman, the next day there are goddamn 50 dozen roses <laughs> at their house. Everyone with the apology card on. You can't tell people who are offended when to get over shit. You got to apologize and just say, hey, I'm sorry. I'll do better. And so it would be so much easier for in his life if he just did that. True. You're right. But because I'm watching, because I don't, I'm the homophobic joke when, you know, he did stand up back then. I laughed at it. Now I'm not sure if I laugh at it. And I had the same issue with, um, Dave Chappelle's last stand-up, one of them, when he was making the trans jokes, and like I'm watching it at home, like I'm not, I don't feel comfortable laughing at this. Sure, and and that's fine. You know the the times have changed. You're right. You know people have progressed. Um, at the same time, when you say we've progressed, does that not include the person that has in the past made those jokes? And I think that's. That's an, that's another issue. Yeah, is that, part of your progression, you can say, right. I made these jokes, and right. I understand that they hurt people, and I won't make them, and I won't do that anymore, and I apologize. There, you just progress. All you got to do, when you, if you mess up, you just say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it anymore, I understand how it hurts you. So if someone hadn't have gone back and 
through all they had been sifted through also also thousands of tweets your tweets if you anything like if you're famous mm-hmm. and you get something all your tweets or social media whatever it's gotta go someone's going through that shit to find yeah. find old stuff which is crazy and is pathetic in my opinion that's a, that's a different that's a different discussion but let's say Nobody had sifted through those tweets, and Kevin Hart got this role, um, and maybe even forgot that he tweeted that seven years ago. Does he, and the fact that he doesn't tweet like that anymore, that he, those types of jokes are no longer in his stand-up routine because he has progressed, is that okay, too? Because it, it, it the problem is, People have a problem with it because, like anything, he got caught. You know, it's it's like anything. It's like cheating. It's like drug testing. You know, in the UFC, you know, everything is fine until you get caught. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I mean, can't we, up until that point, weren't we assuming that he was a different comedian, that he had... Um, you know, because we've all known about these kinds of jokes that he's told, because he's a stand-up comedian. Like, until someone made a big, you know, really, really, you know, uh, put the spotlight on it, hadn't we all assumed that he had, that he's grown as, as a man, as a comedian, as a person, that, you know, sure, seven or eight years ago he was saying these things, but he no longer says those things anymore in his, in his routine, because... One, the times have changed, like you said, and two, maybe he has, himself has also realized can't make those jokes anymore. Those jokes don't fly, and maybe he's not comfortable saying those jokes anymore. You know, yeah, he said them, and again, until you, until you're caught, or unless you get caught, yeah, you should own up to them. But the problem is, people don't let these guys, let these people, not just it's men and women, they don't let them move on from this. That's that's my problem with it. Is that, you know, here's here's the, is, is Kevin Hart, he, should Kevin Hart ever have an opportunity to host a an award show or whatever it is? He would have hosted the award show if he just came out and apologized in the first place. True, yeah, no, I I, I understand that, but um, I don't even remember what he, why he said he wasn't going to, but because um, he's like, oh, I already, I've already dealt with this. I'm not going to apologize. Oh, and his apology wasn't even a fucking yeah. apology because, what was it, Rolling Stone? His apology was basically, I'm not going to tell those jokes anymore because I get in trouble or people get upset. Not, I'm not going to tell these jokes anymore because they offend people and I realize that's wrong. I'm not going to tell, tell these jokes anymore because I get in trouble for it. That's like, if someone, like, if you lived in an apartment and a guy above you every day... When y'all both heading to work, he comes out and he punches you. Just punches you. And every day is happening. You call the police and he gets a fine or whatever. And this goes on for a month. And then one day he comes down and says, oh, I'm not going to punch you anymore because I keep getting fined, fined for it. Would you feel like that's an apology? No, it's definitely not an it's apology. Not, that's what he, it, yeah. You didn't say I'm sorry I, I, for the people I offended. I'm sorry for, for offending the LGBTQ community. None of that. You just said... I'm not going to do it anymore because I keep getting in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. You could never, that excuse would never pass with your wife, your girlfriend. 
go down. You, she catch you cheating for the 18th, 19th time. Like, I'm not going to cheat anymore because you keep catching me and getting me and getting in trouble. Yeah. That's not a fucking apology. He never apologized. He never. He may believe he apologized, but he never correctly apologized to people he offended. So I just want to get that away first for first. And two, don't ever assume anyone has actually been is better than they are. People, especially in entertainment business, will let you down continuously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially cisset men. Men, we are trash, and we will let you down always. Um. Not. Look, you know, at the end of the day, I was. First, I really didn't know what was going on with this whole thing. Um, and, you know, just after reading all of it, I, I don't know. I just, I don't have a, I don't have a, a dog in the fight. Mm-hmm. So, it's like I wasn't entirely offended by that, and I wasn't. Uh, yeah, I guess because I'm so used to, I'm used to this by now from entertainers and whatnot. And it's like, well, okay, yeah, he's not going to apologize. Okay, you know, he's just yeah. another entertainer who's not going to apologize. Um, but, like, I think, well, no, I guess until he does apologize, he can't be given the benefit of the doubt that he's going to grow from it. I mean, that's the only thing that you can say. or other, Otherwise, you know, you're just defending you're just defending this guy, and you know, it's just that doesn't fly these days. So that's all. That's all I have to say. <laughs> You're fumbling with those hangers for like a yeah. good thirty seconds, and you still drop them. Uh, I guess all I can say is, it. His he's still gonna sell out his arenas. He's gonna make his money because there's sure. always gonna be people that support. Anybody in his in entertainment, we've seen the wor- rapists and serial abusers get a second, third, fifth, sixth chances, and he didn't do anything that terribly. He offended no, people, we, so he'll he'll he still get the money. We compromise everything, and, yeah. you know. Like I've always said, everybody, every single person on the planet, in some way, whether it's big or small, is a hypocrite in some fashion. Yeah, whether it's the tiniest compromise, you know, a bit of hypocrisy, or defending, openly defending a, a murderer, a rapist, something like that, whatever it is, you know, there's a little bit of hypocrite in all of us, and, you know, that's it, just just how it goes, I think. Um, you know, I've never been a fan of Kevin Hart, um, like a, a big fan, where I would go spend my money to go see him yeah, perform. Yeah, or even go see his movie. I mean, I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever seen a Kevin Hart movie um, in the theaters. I did see Ride Along on television. That's kind of funny. That's all right. But um, you know, I mean, look, unless again, yeah, unless he is continuing to say horrible things or actually doing and saying horrible things. You know, I don't. I don't have a problem with Kevin Hart. Um, you know. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's just kind of where I stand. I don't have a problem with him. Um, and if he continues making money, you know, good for Which him. And if he doesn't, you know, 
Now you know. <laughs> now you know why. So it all it'll it should you know hopefully for that guy or you know for him for his for his sake it would it'll balance out and he'll learn from this or you know I don't know maybe not but you can't, you have to hope at least that he learns from all of this. Yeah, we'll see. Time will tell. I bet you didn't expect to talk for 20-some minutes oh, about no. the Oscars. No, <laughs> all right. not at all. I was just thinking about that at work today while I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast. But sure. um, the floor is yours, my friend, because I don't, I don't have anything else to the end, really. Go ahead. I don't know. There's been a lot of baseball going on. Mm, very much true. Winter meetings were actually pretty busy. I guess. Were they, I mean, I feel like they were busy because there was a lot of transactions that have gone on. But... The big thing is we haven't seen uh, Bryce Harper or Manny Machado sign anywhere. I believe anywhere. Machado said he wasn't signing to the new year. Okay. Um, I read somewhere that they weren't too hip on Philadelphia. I don't know if that was mm. just like a fan, Yankee fan side or something yeah. like that. But you know, I when it comes to stuff, everything is just. It's lies and subterfuge. I don't know who's actually, you know, part of Machado's or Harper's uh, entourage or party that's telling these stuff or who's lying to get another team interested. It's just... Well, anybody, anybody with a phone and social media access can make, can make anything up. I can make something yeah. up. And, you know, if I, you know, could get enough eyes on it, could start spinning some... Some tale of the Astros or whoever. Um, but yeah, I've seen headlines that Machado is preferring the Yankees. Yeah, if you were a betting man, where would you say Hopper and Machado end up? I forgot. We've talked about this recently. Oh, I said the Cubs for Harper. No, I'm, I'm talking about now. Have, yeah, you, no, cha- no. have you changed? No, uh, well, like I said. Because I said both of the Phillies, and I couldn't be more disgusted by that right now. I'm changing my mind so fast. Yeah, I remember saying Harper would sign with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like Machado would re-sign, either re-sign with the Dodgers. Dodgers or go to the Yankees. I can't remember. But, I mean, it looks like Machado's going to sign with the, the Yankees. Um, and, I, you know, until otherwise, I'm actually gonna, I will, you know, change my – pick just based on um, me acknowledging that I was probably wrong. So right now, December 27th, you got Machado to the Yankees? Yes. I agree with you. And Harper too? Um, I'm still going to say the Cubs. I'm saying the Dodgers now, especially after the moves they just pulled uh, out. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, oh, uh, where? I'm sorry, I was not prepared for this. Let me go find that trade because that was a huge deal between the Dodgers and the Reds. That was a giant deal. Like, I, I think everybody was like shocked, like that this came out of nowhere. Yeah. Okay, I got it. You sell Puig, Matt Kemp, and Alex Wood to the Reds for pitcher Homer Bailey and two uh, farmhands, Jeter Downs and. The Josiah Gray? Sure. Josiah. 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 Yeah. So, Alex Wood is, if he's healthy, it's a decent number two guy, I think. And if you go out and sign a Dallas Keuchel, it's a nice little one-two punch. 
especially in that NL Central. Mm -hmm. I think that's the second best one-two combo in the NL Central. I'm sure the Cardinals have a better one. I have no view. Yeah, I mean, I I'm just assuming because <laughs> it's the Cardinals and because the Cubs, like we've talked about, their pitching is getting old. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're yeah. Um, but I would say if the Reds were to acquire or to sign Dallas Keuchel, him and Alex Wood would make a, a really nice one-two combination. And at the top of the rotation, and they're both lefties, I believe. I think Alex Wood is, is a lefty. Um, getting... No, he's a, he's a right. I'm yep. sorry. Alex Wood is a... I don't know. No, Alex Wood is a, a left-handed pitcher. Um, he's 27 years old. He had kind of a down year last year, I think, just because it was, you know, he pitched through the World Series um, the first time around in 2017. Because in 2017, he went like 15-1, and 15-3. and three. He was in a crazy good year for the Dodgers. Um, after coming off, like, injuries, like I think Tommy John surgery and stuff like that. Uh, so last year, you know, he regressed because very few pitchers have back-to-back 15-3 and three seasons with, like, you know, sub-three ERAs, you know. Especially with all the innings he pitched coming off of an injury. It's no surprise he got hurt again. Right. He um, might he might be one of those guys that just, you just pencil him to, for, like, 160, 170 innings and have to use somebody from AAA for the rest. Mm -hmm. This might be a guy who can't, and we're seeing that more and more, guys who just can't do 200 innings and, you know, be the horse. Yeah. He might be limited between 150 to 160 and just have some AAA guy for you come up for a five start. Uh, which, you know, wouldn't be, wouldn't be bad. You know, I mean, look, he's, he's still 27, still pretty young. Um, he could build his way into stretching himself out more. Mm -hmm. you know. um, so offensively, this is, a, this is an interesting trade for the Reds. Um, it, it gives them two more bats to that lineup that is actually pretty good this past year. With uh, who was it? Scooter Jeanette at second base, Eugenio Suarez at third base, who hit like over 30 home runs, had over 100 RBI. And Joey Votto, who is old now, it looks like at 35, and has a lot of money left on his contract. But, I mean, he still seems like it, he could still produce. And I think being surrounded by a stronger lineup, I think, could help him in the long run as well, like, get back to where he was. Yeah, he had a really down year this past season. What was that, 284 with a 400 on base percentage? Yeah, and a 419 slugging. Um, so he just didn't have the pop he had. Yeah, 12 homers and 67 RBI. That's <laughs> but still, if you get on base at a 417 clip, I want you on my team. Yeah. Um, going back to what the Reds got, I love – Yosuke Puig, I think this is a perfect situation for him. He's uh, connected with his old batting uh, batting coach from um, L.A. And that ballpark, he may hit 45 home runs. That's true, too. I have a bigger issue with Matt Kemp because if there's anybody that needs the designated hitter, it's Matt Kemp. So... He's terrible defensively, and his, right. his legs, are they're not going to hold up for too much longer. So now Cincinnati has a trade chip that mm -hmm. they could maybe flip for a, a Matt Kemp who had a good year last year. 
cool. Yeah, but still, I think, like I said, he is AL only. Right, so you can potentially use that to, to you know, flip to another team in the, in the American League. How old is Matt Kemp? 32? 34. What? Yeah. He's been around a while. Wow. So let's see. Puig, not a bad year last year. I mean, look, Puig has been pretty consistent most of his career. And Dodger Stadium, you know, it's it's a big ballpark. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a pitcher's. And, yeah, the idea of him playing in Citizens Bank Ballpark is pretty... Uh, he, he has to be pretty excited about that. Again, like you said, with the, the pitching coach aspect and all that stuff. Um, but I think the key could be Matt Kemp in terms of flipping him to an American League team, like you said, that maybe needed that may need a designated hitter. Um, and and sees or uh, can see that Kemp uh, that 2011 year where he hit 39 homers, 126 RBI, 324 batting average. I think he won the MVP that year. No, he came in second to cheating Brian Braun. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, I think. I mean, clearly those days are gone. But if you look at if you look at his numbers after that, like he's been pretty steady. He's been pretty consistent. Um, he's had some really good, I mean, good years since then. But, yeah, I think he'll, again, the ballpark and, um, what's, what's the ballpark called? Great. Citizens Bank? No, that's, oh, I thought it was Citizens. No, that's Philly. Uh, Great American Ballpark. Great American Ballpark. Yeah. It is definitely a Harris Ballpark. That's not, at the plate, I got no problems. I think he can be, he can mimic what he did last year. It's just out in the field, him playing anywhere. Yeah. It's going to be an issue. Um, hey, did you know you sell you Puig? You remember how much his contract was that he signed for out of Cuba? No. Seven years, uh, $42 million. Wow. You know what else is amazing? He's arbitration eligible. Yeah, because this is his sixth year. He's played six seasons already. He, he's not a free agent. This is arbitration year. So the Dodgers basically they get rid of Puig, they don't pay him his arbitration. Mm-hmm. Uh, they clear about twenty one million dollars from from uh, Kemp. Of I believe they reset themselves. They're underneath the Saturday, the luxury tax, so they're not a repeat offender. So I think they're going full throttle for Bryce Harper. So, okay, so you're predicting Bryce Harper. Oh what yeah. Do you, what do you? Pre- what are the numbers that are going to get these guys? Machado, you said is going. We both agree, Yankees. Mm-hmm. What do you think it's going to take to get Machado? I think whatever we, whatever is first reported, is going to blow us away until we actually see the, the details of the contract, mm-hmm. because there's no way that either one of these guys signed without having an opt out. Yeah, uh, there's going to be in both the contract. I'd be shocked that there's not a three year opt out or two year opt out. So it's going to be something where it's like, uh, I'm going to guess on Harper, I would guess something like nine years, 300 some million 
but only the first two years, first three years, it's like three years, 120, not 120, I'm sorry, three years, like 90. Yeah. And then he'll have an opt out after that. He's still, even, you know, three years in, he'll still be a relatively young dude. He can get another yeah. $300 million contract. That's, that's interesting, man. That's, it's interesting to see where baseball has gone mm-hmm. because 10 years ago, we would be talking about uh, Robinson Cano and. Albert Pujols, 15 years ago, I mean, who were we talking about? Mike Hampton, guys like that, I think, or maybe 20 years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 15, 10, 15, you know, even five years ago, the big talk of these massive contracts, Alex Rodriguez, another one, 10-year deals, you know, 8- to 10-year deals, and the big key to those were um, full no trade clauses. Mm-hmm. Now, we're, we're, we've seen the landscape change where opt-out clauses are, it's the new no trade clause. Like, it's now like, I'm going to sign with you for eight to ten years, but you have to guarantee after three years I can get out and make even more money. Attempt, potentially go make more money. It's, it's weird because full no trade clauses are it, it's it feels like they're not even discussed or considered no, what they unless get, you're talking about guys who already have them. Yeah, what they're getting now is they're getting partial full traders like oh I can block a trade to these 18 teams and I get out in 3 years. That's 3 in 3 years. Um, yeah, there's if I'm really I've done great, I have opportunity to go out there and make more money. If this team isn't where I want it to be in three years, I can dip and go to another team. And you know it, what? What mostly happens is these guys, like uh, well, David Price, is like three years in. There's oh, there's no way I'm turning down this extension because there's no there's no chance in hell of me seeing this money on the open market. Right. But it seems like it's worked for most of them. Like Kershaw, signed one of these deals, Stanton. Also, yeah, I think he. That's part of his deal with the Yankees. Ooh, let me go see. Does he not have a? I will look it up. Um, one Juan Carlos Stanton. So that's that's. I mean, it's interesting how you know this is where we're at now. So Stanton has a full no trade clause. Mm-hmm. He can opt out after twenty twenty. Yeah. He opts out. He'll be what in his thirty? Yeah, thirty. Wait, twenty. So twenty-one. He'll be thirty-one. Wow. Barely hitting his physical prime mm-hmm. at that point. But I feel I, I think it's kind of cool now to see because that was always a thing that I remember. You know felt like a lot of teams were hindered by it. It's like the big get, the big get was the full no trade clause. I'm gonna sign with you. You're gonna this is what And to be honest this the, is my demand. The but no- now that's the that's second to now I what what I want primarily is that opt out. Yeah, and the no trade clause, we've seen guys as in the last two, three years get traded even with the no trade clause. Mm-hmm. Justin Verlander, example of that. Guys give up their no trade to go to a better situation. So, 
all this, the no trade clause, the opt out, that's giving more power to the player. And I'm 100% for that. I want the players in all leagues to have as much power as they can. I'd rather have them have power than these faceless billionaire owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you think, so you, for Machado, you said like nine years, you said? It's going to be nine, eight, nine, ten years, $300 million, opt out after three years. That's what. So it's now it's just kind of standard issue at this point. For, for the, superstars. For superstars, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, we talk about Harper and Machado. I just think, what if um, Mike Trout was a free agent? Does he have a full Does he have an opt out clause? I don't think so, but I will check. Was he the last of the superstars to. Not get a opt out clause. I feel like. So I feel like he's gonna be in. Let's see, in six years, one hundred and forty-four million dollars, and he's there for two more years. Yeah. He has a no trade clause, but he did not get an opt out. So he was probably the last major superstar to not get the opt out. Mm-hmm. But you know, in two years, that'll change. Oh yeah. Cause he'll be twenty nine. Oh, he's been paid. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting to see. But yeah, um, going back to I guess the original free agent discussion. Yeah, I'm changing uh, Machado going. Oh no, I said Machado to the Yankees. If you didn't, you did now. Yeah, and I'm still saying, I'm still gonna say Harper to the Cubs. You're saying Harper to the Dodgers, and. Mm-hmm. and I'm sticking with Harper to the Cubs, but logically, I'm thinking he just reminded me. Yeah, logic that, that all that's makes sense. Probably gonna go to Dodgers. Yeah, it's like logically that makes sense. Illogically, every day he doesn't sign is one day I'm like, maybe the Astros will sneak in. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, any other baseball? Uh, should we? So let's see. Oh, the Astros signed. Michael Brantley? Yeah, Michael Brantley, two years, $32 million. Yes. Interesting signing because it's basically, he's basically Josh Reddick 2.0. Is that a fair blanket statement? He doesn't strike out. Okay, so <laughs> there's, a, there's a difference. But he's a left-handed hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, minimal power. Gets on base and can drive in runs. So, does that signal Josh Reddick on his way out? No, I think it signals they just want to upgrade. He'll play left field mm-hmm. until Tucker's ready. And there were reports that he would be willing to move to first base. So, he probably plays left, he probably plays out left field, some right field. Although I don't know how good his arm is. So I would say left field, DH, first base. Okay, so he's becoming a, a utility player. Well, too. that's the Astros, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they were like, everybody's going to be, except for like Altuve and Correa, everybody else is going to be base utility. Bregman's going to be at third and short. Mm-hmm. Um, Yuli is going to be basically the entire infield. Uh, the new... Guy just traded for for Toronto, whose name escapes me. He's gonna be he's Diaz. Diaz, yes, he's gonna be infield. Tony Kemp can be infield, outfield. Basically, they want everybody to have as much position eligibility as possible. 
at this point, that's what this team, you know, that's the identity of this team is that no one player has an identity. You know, everybody's kind of, I like that. I feel like it, it's, it really is the epitome of a team effort. Mm -hmm. It's like, you play where, where you're needed, and I'm going to play where I'm needed. And, you know, that's, that's the end of it. Um, also, we lost Charlie freaking Morton oh, to yes. Tampa. Also, oh, sad. I liked. So that, that leaves hurts. that leaves a big hole in the rotation. The rotation is Verlander, Cole, presumably, and McHugh, McHugh and oh, and I need to go look at the team because. Um, James is, I think he's up in one spot. Josh James or James Josh. I always get So you think he'll move up to the rotation? They're going to. It's like I say, if you have a guy and you're not sure if he can do the rotation or the bullpen, give him the shot, the rotation, because the bullpen's always there if right. he fails. So they'll stick him in. They'll give him bullpen time. I mean, they'll put him in the rotation. He'll definitely start in spring training. Um, as long as he's good at it, he'll hold the job. If not, they'll find a replacement. Um, Whitley, Whitley probably comes up after the All-Star break. Arbitration and... No, just because he needs the reps considering all the time he missed last year. Gotcha, gotcha. But also, I mean, it's no secret teams do that. You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's an open secret that they home down to get extra year arbitration. Yeah. Mm, and there's some other... Uh, I remember... Is Peacock staying in the, in the bullpen? Let me look. I remember the Athletic had a. Was talking about this and was uh, nominating people. So let me look up. The Athletic paying. Already worth the 10 bucks a month I paid for this. Nice. Oh, and then um, Joe Smith tore his Achilles. Yeah, so he's done for a while. <laughs> yeah, I think they say he is out until. Basically six to eight months. Most of the season. How do you feel about Dodd Skyco? What chance do you get them actually coming back? Five percent chance. Five percent chance? Yeah. Okay, here you go. So on the athletic they have the rotation as Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, a star yet to be acquired, so who knows that is. Colin McHugh and then Josh James or Framber Valdez. Okay. And then bullpen Osuna, Presley, Rendon, Harris, Davinsky, Peacock, whoever loses between James and Valdez, and then uh, the ro ro yeah, the replacement for Smith. So you're kind of going back to 2017 in a way. Because going into 2018, it's like, holy crap, we, we just acquired Garrett Cole? I forgot Martez had Tommy John surgery, so he's out. Oof. He had surgery in August. So again, like the rotation, I guess now that I think about it, now that you know you're kind of putting names to places in the rotation, um, it kind of feels like 2017 again, where like you know pretty much who your top two, top three guys are, and then you go and get Verlander, and it's like wow, that's. You for sure know who your top three guys in the postseason are. 
But then going into 2018, you know, there's, of course, the, the expectations, the excitement, and the fact that you still have Verlander left over. And so it's like, oh, wow, cool. We're, we're definitely going into the season with Verlander and McCullers and Keuchel and uh, I think McHugh maybe at the time. But then you trade for, like, Cole, and you're like, holy crap, Garrett Cole is your number four guy? Like, that's insane. Like, if he can put it together... That's insane that he's your number four guy. And then he starts putting it together right away. And you're like, holy crap, that's your number four guy. And now you're going back to being the number two guy. He's number two guy. And you really don't know what that back end of that rotation is going to look like. And maybe that's a better spot for us. You know, maybe it's, uh, I mean, it worked in 2017 where it kind of, everybody kind of, you know, really started to put it together. Mm-hmm. And Q was putting it together. McCullers, for the most part, until he got hurt, of course. Um, so I don't know, maybe I'm not as like skeptical as I, or hesitant as I was a week ago when we weren't talking about it. Like You and I weren't really talking about it. and So I was just kind of left with, uh, left without a voice of reason to kind of help me <laughs> steer it in the right, right direction. Uh, I, I'm not worried because um, the team... The rotation, yeah, the rotation they have now isn't going to be the one that they have by, um, you know, by the All Star break. They'll trade for somebody, yeah. somebody or someone, you know, from the minors will come up and surprise like uh, Josh James did. So, I like I've taken when it comes to the Astros, I worry when it's actually time to worry and not not a moment. Gotcha. To them. Before. Yeah, because remember when they were scut they were scuttling through the middle of the season and people were acting like the sky was falling and then they still won the division yeah and handedly handedly it's like let's just wait until until the game start plays start freaking out people all right that's cool well, no that's good that's good and you know the the offense will be back at full strength i think you know everybody should be healthy again so yeah that's i feel good I feel good about this team going into the new year um, again, Keuchel, I don't see... I mean... Again, for me, it's, it's like the Bryce Harper. The longer he's out there, the more I'm like, maybe he comes maybe back? He does. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there's... Again, there is a need. Seems like there's a need in the rotation for stability now. Um, and if he's not getting the offers that he's desiring, maybe he comes back at a discount. Or, or you know, maybe he comes back for less than he... Bargain for four years, eighty million. Would you do that for Keiko? Mm-hmm. No, I would do. Uh, I don't know, maybe two years. At that number I gave you, is is sixty million dollars less than what Patrick Corbin got, who's only had one good year. That's true, but he's younger, isn't he? He's twenty nine. He's twenty nine, but he has more upside. He's got, he's got more life in his pitches than Keuchel. He's had one good year. One good year. Okay. He picked the right year to have it, but he's had one good year. Keuchel's won the Cy Young, mm-hmm. and what was that? Two thousand and what was it? Fifteen. He was hurt. And he was overtaxed in sixteen, yeah. and he was good in seventeen, except for the injury. Okay, so maybe not four years, eighty million. Maybe two years, forty million. 
You're going to give them $20 million, But the idea of committing to more than two or three years is kind of iffy. He's already 31. Again, I'm, you know, I'm always going to stress this because it's just, you know, I think it's a valid point, but he's, he's on the wrong side of 30 and a soft-tossing left-handed pitcher, you know. How much longer, or how much craftier can he continue to get? Is he going to continue to get craftier to to stay ahead of the curve and you know be a twenty million dollar pitcher in three or four years? I don't know. I don't know if that's a, a risk you should take. But you know, if if you're if we're talking about dollars, if we're only talking about dollars, then twenty million dollars fine, but no more than two years. So $40 million contract, sure. I'd be okay with that. So I'm looking at these statistical comparisons for pitchers who in around the same age and have the same, like, around the same stats as um, Dallas Keuchel as mm-hmm. when, for when they got signed. So go back. Would you rather have Dallas Keuchel or John Lester? John Lester. Dallas Keiko or Jake Arietta? Uh, that's a good question. That's a tough one. That's a toss up. Keiko or Corbin? Um, I guess Keiko. Keiko or you Darvish? Forget how bad Hugh Darvish was this year. Yeah, wasn't he hurt most of the year? I don't know. Yeah, I guess Keiko. Sure, why not? Nah, I'll stick with you because he's had some good years. John Lester's contract when he signed at 31, six years, $155 million. Ariel's contract when he signed at 32, three years, $75 million with two $20 million options. Patrick Corbin just talked about six years, $140 million going to his age 30 season. You Darvish, you, six years, $126 million signed on his age 31 season. So when I say Dallas Keuchel, four years and $80 million, that's way cheaper than, than what these guys got. And he's, he's already been better than you Darvish. These are teams that can afford to overpay. The Astros are finally starting to spend money after a long time of not spending money. The Cubs will always and forever have an open checkbook for the most I mean, they'll always have an open checkbook. The Phillies always have an open checkbook, or at least not always, but the Phillies right now have an open checkbook. And the Nationals have always had an open checkbook. The Astros are finally starting to come around to that. I don't, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a bargain. But, again, I would argue that his, it, you know, his, um, the only, he's having to be, he'll have to be more crafty than those guys. The only guy on the, that I named, all those four that I tr- would rather have than Keiko is probably John Lester. Yeah. Arietta, Arietta, before he signed his stuff, he was losing 
velocity on his stuff for two straight years before he signed with the Phillies. Like I said, Corbin's only done it for one year. And you Darvish, I don't know if he's hurt or whatever, but his stuff has has declined mm-hmm. in the past year and a half. And we're talking about contracts. We got John Lester talking about six years, 155 millions, or, or <clears throat> Kaiko at four and 80. I'm taking four and 80 and taking the guy I know. You want to pay John Lester till he's thirty-seven years old? No, but did did Kaiko was he under the impression he was going to get more than eighty million? Because if not, then sure, then go for it. Four years, eighty million. You know, maybe that would be the max I would pay. But he probably thought he'd he'd get a hundred million dollar deal. But I think the whole Patrick Corbin situation blew that out of the water. Yeah, but four million. Like, it's not my money, so four years, $80 million, I... And I'm talking about it like it is my money, but again, it's not my money either. Um, look, if you can get him back, and you don't have to break the bank, let's get him back. Because at least he, he will provide that stability we need. In the middle, in the middle of the rotation. Smack down the middle. Not my money. Alright. Uh, anything else? Not really. I mean, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of transactions going on. Uh, the, the Cardinals got Goldschmidt from Arizona for a couple of prospects, basically. Cardinals, Devil Magic, strikes again. Yeah. Um, looks like Nelson Cruz just signed with the Twins. Be their DH, um, I guess, to replace the retiring Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer. Yeah, it's like one in an option. Yeah, Adrian Beltre retired from the Rangers. I think we both agree, Hall of Fame player. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and just little trades here and there, you know. Yeah. That's about it. Nothing else that. Jumps out of the page. You want to talk about Cuba? Yeah, we can talk about it real quick. It's interesting. I just saw this a few days ago, and um, it's a really interesting situation that's going on. Uh, MLB and the Players Association and the Cuban Baseball Federation, they've all struck a deal to allow players from Cuba to sign with Major League Baseball teams, without having to defect, without having to sneak on boats in the middle of the Atlantic or in the Caribbean Sea, I guess. Um, you know, sneak away from their teams in other countries and, you know, in Europe, you know, seeking asylum and all these other embassies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it just it's always seemed like it's a dangerous game that these guys have played yeah it's it's you're smuggling people to like Puig he got smuggled from Cuba to Mexico in order to post to be able to play in America yeah and you don't know if you're you know when these people smuggle you are they actually going to get you to where you need to go or are they going to you know kidnap you halfway through and ransom you back to your family yeah I mean let's look at some of the top Cuban players in the last 10 years Puig Chapman 
Um, Abreu, I believe. Was he from? Mm. Jose uh, Abreu? Uh, yeah. Jose Abreu. Uh, Yuli Duriel. Mm-hmm. And his younger brother. Yuri. Yuri, right? Sure. Yuri. Yuri. Um, look, there's, there's definitely a wealth of talent down in Cuba. Um, and for the longest time, it was you know, dangerous to get these guys. Uh, Jose Hernandez, Fernandez, the late, great Jose Fernandez, Cuban ball player. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's a great step in the right direction for baseball, for, I think, both countries to, yeah, to not have to worry about the inherent risks of smuggling baseball players into country after country. So, um, are you ready for the bad news? Oh, it's only like three years, right? No, that's not the bad news. It lasts until like 2021 or something. So, reading from Fangraphs, there's just one problem. The FCB, which is the Cuban Baseball Federation, is an arm of the Cuban government and is even run by Fidel Castro's son, who served as vice president. This agreement means that Major League Baseball, an American business entity, will be paying money to an unofficial arm of the Cuban government. Because of the United States trade embargo, which remains in effect, it's questionable at best whether this arrangement will survive legal scrutiny. Now, hold on. Dan um, Halem, MLB's chief legal officer, told Rutgers that the Obama administration signed off on the deal before it was finalized, due mostly to the fact that the FCB isn't officially, quote-unquote, a government agency. And in 2006, the Office of Foreign Asset Controls, which is responsible for implementing and overseeing the Cuban embargo, did grant MOB a license to explore a deal. But, guess who's in charge? But the Trump administration has taken a different view, with the State Department telling NPR that despite the agreement, nothing has changed. Baseball players will still have to go to another country to apply for a work visa in accordance to U.S. policy, and the White House has signaled that it isn't likely to approve the deal for the same reason. Let's go on. Wednesday, a White House statement criticized baseball agreement with Cuba, saying the administration would continue to restrict Cuba's ability to profit from American businesses. The Office of Foreign Asset Control could revoke MLB's license to negotiate with the Cubans. If it does, it will signal a shift in policy that could affect many other companies doing business in Cuba. So, MLB, yeah, MLB has an agreement with the Cuban, with the Cuban Baseball League, and the United States government can come down and karate chop it and leave, and it wouldn't happen. Well, let's hope. Let's just. I mean, it, look, whatever you have to say about who's in charge and all that. Again, another topic for another day. At the end of it, to sum it up, I think for me, let's just hope that the deal can go through. That's all I can hope for at this point. Um, there's a lot of pros and... Uh, look, there are a lot of pros and cons to an agreement like this, I think. Um, Someone explain to me why do we still have this Cuban embargo? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but, you know... And I would think that now that Castro's dead, that 
the the pain that Cuban immigrants have had for decades. I think. I, mean, I, I, I look, look. I can't speak for Cuban mm-hmm. immigrants. I can't speak for the pain and suffering that they've gone through because of Castro. I mean, look. You know. Whatever you say about any presidential administration, look, the, the, there's a reason why we didn't deal with this guy. Look, he was, he was a dictator for a long time. And, you know, again, we've all made compromises with lots of other countries and... Hello, Saudi Arabia. Other issues, yeah, you know. So, but it's, you know, it's, a, it's well documented that Cuban immigrants, you know... It's a it's a really sore subject for them as well, and it's something that I don't think can be taken lightly. Um, you know, I think again, it's it's a very delicate situation to to navigate because you want to do what's best for everybody involved, obviously, um, but at the same time, you you know, you, I think you do have to be. Um, sympathetic to the feelings that survivors of that dictatorship may still feel. But I feel like maybe his death has kind of uh, maybe it's um, eased the pain for those survivors. You know, um, Like you said, I'm not going to try to put myself in the, the boots of Cubans who have had to literally run from their homes in the middle of the night with everything on their back to make it to a better life because of the um, Castro administration, what mm-hmm. they were doing. So I'm not going to say anything. I just wish that we as Americans would take, would find a way to help people who, who were struggling. Like if we could strike a deal with Cuba to where we could send in, you know, American goods and America business. Cause literally they're still driving around cars from yeah, the fifties. So I would like my things like I would just like to help those people any way I can, even dealing with the administration. Because like we said, America and its history has done a lot more with a lot with administrations and countries that are a hell of a lot worse. Right, and so with that, like you again going back to the the feelings of the you know the people who we go with Germany and they started two damn world wars. (laughs) The people who you know lived through the Cuban dictatorship mm-hmm. it's like it's you have to find a way to again yeah work with those work with Cuba but in a way that isn't necessarily um, a disregard for those people it's like you don't want them to feel like what they went through is um what uh, was for nothing? Like it wasn't a. It's a non-issue. Like, yeah, like, you like don't it want, matter. Yeah, like what they went through did matter. Um, so hopefully you you can find a way to ease that pain and suffering, in a way to show them that look we're trying to work with this country to make things better, not to dis discredit your suffering and your experiences, but to hopefully improve future experiences um, you know and future can you know it, and improve the conditions of that 
country currently. That's it is not an easy task to take on for any anybody, any administration. I think it's yeah because until that I mean look until that generation no longer has a voice mm-hmm. for better lack of words to you know without being too. And they're always going to have a voice because their story is going to be passed down to their children, passed down to their children, and it's right. going to keep going. You know, it's, it's hard to navigate those waters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, at the end of the day, let's hope that somehow this deal can, you know, uh, go through and that it's implemented. And it le- it's one step in, yeah, getting rid of that kind of trafficking. Agreed. All right, anything else? That's all I've got, man. Um, I got one more thing. Sure. Going into the new year. Yes. I'll give you a couple of minutes. What would you like to do, like, big picture-wise with the with the podcast, with our little blog, what, what all that? Um, Make some... Uh, cu- 288 uh, resolution, things you wanted to do in the new year. I would like, and look, it's very selfish of me because Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, I don't don't write as well as I would like to, Mm -hmm. but I like what you write. So for me, I would like to see more articles from you because I think you're a really good writer and I think you, you really know how to go in depth on topics that interest you. But again, that's selfish of me because I'm not going to contribute to that. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to write with you at the moment. How many columns did you actually write on our little? I think maybe two. Um, uh, finding a way to get. Uh, well, I think we're on the right track. We're gonna, you know, talk with our our buddy John about mm-hmm. his experiences and so more things like that where it's kind of, um, yeah, more third mic types of, of shows mm-hmm. um, yeah I think that's it I mean you know we're, we're on our way with those at this point um, and again the the top like recording episodes that uh, on topics that we talked about off off air you know ideas for when when things are when wrestling is slow or it's a slow week in baseball or you know whatever um more, I guess they're more entertainment type topics that we can that we can look at. So, I think we, yeah, we put we talked about that as a plan, and I think um, it's just a matter of putting that plan into to action. We have a plan; it's a matter of executing. That's it. All right. Yeah. So this is, by my calculation, the last episode of 2018. Yes, it is. It's been fun. Very much so. Can't wait uh, to start 2019. I don't know when we're going back. We're going to take a, a two-week break and then come back to That's it. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, man, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, as always, in 2018. Here's to a new year, 2019. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, guys. Like I said, thanks for listening. Um, if you can, sus- subscribe on iTunes. It's not iTunes. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, 
leave us a review. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, um, all that good jazz. Um, like Anthony said, we got plans for stuff we're doing next year, and I will be writing, getting back in the swing of things. <sighs> That's what basically is to, like, I have this plan for baseball that's going to, actually I have a plan for a Houston, like, sports period that's going to, like, it's been, it's an idea I've had for about six, seven months. It's just, like you said, we have plans just actually getting down to the nitty-gritty and doing it. But we'll do that in 2019. I want to thank everybody who's listening. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. And have a happy and healthy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. All right. For Anthony, I'm De Quincey. Later, baby.